So this is Evan again with Intervention Radio, and it's been a little while since I um, I was able to broadcast. Um, main reason is uh, I've been on the road um, working on uh, multiple cases, and uh, finally have a, a just a moment to breathe. And I figured I would share that moment with um, anyone that's out there uh, listening. Um, and on Intervention Radio, the, the real focus of uh, what I do is try to uh, share my experiences um, helping families that are, are trying to get a loved one who is treatment-resistant, uh, defiant, um, uh, just having a hard time accepting help, uh, not only necessarily agree to accept help, but... Um, really look at ways in which we can uh, significantly, hopefully significantly, increase the prognosis for long-term uh, recovery. And the way we do that uh, is by uh, making the, the process uh, inclusive uh, as much as possible, uh, bringing in uh, family, friends, um, and, and working hard to get um, as many uh, unified people uh, together uh, working towards uh, one end, one goal, and ultimately that's to get their loved one to not only agree to accept help, but to really commit to the process of recovery, like I've said. And, uh, you know, with that, there are all kinds of twists and turns and challenges. Whenever you're, you're looking at bringing together a group of people uh, who've been through a lot um, and a diverse group, of uh, thoughts, thinkers, and uh, opinions. Um, but before I get into all that, I, I want to start off by uh, kind of putting in perspective exactly where I am right now. So um, I am currently uh, in beautiful Lake Mary, Florida, and I'm at the Florida Mental Health Counselors Mental Health Counselors Association annual conference. And, uh, you know, what I try to do as much as possible is to stay engaged with other professionals in the industry um, and uh, really try to learn all as much as possible about innovations and um, changes um, within mental health and counseling uh, and treatment, uh, addictions, um, substance abuse, um, you know, and, and really try to stay engaged with, you know, what's happening now. Um, and, and for me, it's a critical part of staying, um, you know, relevant and understanding of what's happening um, as the world changes, as issues change. You know, and um, so with that said, um, I'm here at the conference and I'm very fortunate to, to be here and, and, and also to have been sponsored by a, a great program up in uh, Jacksonville Beach, uh, Beaches Recovery and Tide's Edge Detox Centers. And, um, you know, being a consultant for them um, is, is, is a, just a great opportunity to really um, shine a light on a program that really helps people uh, address the underlying issues that are impacting their ability to function independently and stay sober. And uh, so I'm very fortunate to be here and I'm very appreciative uh, that Beaches Recovery Center and Tides at De 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 Detox 
um, have sponsored me uh, to come to the Florida Mental Health Counselors Association annual conference. And um, we're here at the, uh, the beautiful Marriott Hotel. And uh, I am in the, uh, the lobby. And it's a very nice lobby. It's got the, the uh, stars, you know, the uh, kind of the star illuminated ceiling uh, with the blue. Makes you feel like you're looking up at the stars. And it's a, it's a cool environment. So I was debating whether I was going to go into my room and, you know, kind of uh, share and process or come on down and, and do this in, uh, in, uh, in public. And I decided I would just go ahead and kind of just plow through and, you know, just uh, make it a, uh, a outdoor uh, event um, or at least a public event. So in any case, with that said, uh, getting back to the the subject at hand, you know, each episode of Intervention Radio, I, I try to, um, you know, touch on a, a specific topic as much as possible. And of course, I like to have guests join me uh, when they are uh, available and when people want to get in here and share. And I've got some really cool people that uh, are going to be lined up to be joining me over the course of the the next few weeks, um, and I've met some great people here at the, at the conference as well. Um, but uh, so, like I said, I, I've been on the road for about a week now. It's been a very, very long uh, uh, run, therapeutic run of working with lots of families in, in crisis and people that are, are battling addiction and underlying mental health issues such as depression, anxiety, PTSD. And, um, you know, the number one the number one um, focus um, that I have found is an essential component of really making this this work is uh, getting everybody together and um, and unified uh, as as a team. And um, and I want to share for those families out there that are you know thinking about putting together an intervention. I wanted to take this time to kind of help them explore ways in which uh, they could um, do that. Uh, first and foremost, keep this in mind, that getting everybody to think the exact same way um, is, I mean, if you, you have just two people, having two people think the exact same way is a challenge. Imagine when you've got like 15 people. So a goal for me, and I'll share this with anyone that's listening, a goal for me is um, to really be able to um, get everyone together um, with a fundamental um, direction. And then from there, we build upon getting everybody unified um, with the plan. So the, the first thing I do when I, when I get my, my families together is I focus in on um, what's our number one objective. And uh, everyone pretty much says, you know, the ultimate objective is to to get Mary or Candy or Steve or Jim or Barbara or Phil uh, into treatment uh, to finally accept the help that's being offered to them. It's been being offered to them for years. And so um, then what I do is once I have the general consensus on that position, then I take it just a step further. And the step further is this, that not only do we want um, your loved one 
to enter into a treatment program, whether it be for substance abuse or mental health or dual diagnosis or both, we really want to create an environment that's conducive for them to, um, to conducive for them to recover, to continue to recover uh, ultimately when they come back, when they come home. And in doing that, um, we significantly increase the prognosis for long-term recovery. If we create a very, if we create a healthy environment that's conducive for recovery and the individual comes back home, we increase their prognosis uh, for staying clean, uh, for staying mentally sober. And so, so the first thing I do is I get everyone to agree, yes, we're, we're going to work together to get your loved one to agree to enter into treatment. Then I get everyone to agree that we want to create an environment that's conducive for long-term recovery. So I have a, a yes and a unified direction on the first part, and I have a yes on a, on a unified direction on the second part. Then from there, once we've got that consensus, um, that's when we start to look at um, how do we get this done. And usually that's when a lot of the, the different opinions uh, start to uh, come out. Um, and what I like to do in, in my intervention work is I, you know, and think of it this way. You, you've got somebody who is uh, out using, um, having a major depressive episode, um, so much anxiety they can't even leave their home, their room. Um, what I do is I help the family first come together and present lots of understanding, lots of love, um, and really highlighting all of the special, wonderful qualities that an individual possesses just the great qualities that stand out and make that person just a special individual. And for some people, that, that's a challenge because it's probably, in a lot of my cases, it's been a while since the person was, you know, since they were actually having a good time with that individual or that person was, was behaving well or uh, they were getting along with their loved ones. So the first part is really highlighting all those wonderful, special, good times. From there... Uh, I work with the um, the family um, to collectively address specific underlying concerns and issues. And um, you know the the number one, usually the number one, um, when I ask the family what what's your biggest concern right now for your loved one, and oftentimes is the case, you know, I'm I'm afraid that. Um, you know, Mary or Steve or Jenny is, is going to die. Um, and that from there, um, you know, of course, that, that would be, um, you know, for most families that have a loved one spiraling in crisis, yeah, that, that's a number one uh, driving uh, concern for, for most of those families. That, that the thought of, of losing an individual, a loved one, uh, due to um, uh, a, a, you know, addiction or mental illness and the symptoms uh, associated with those disorders. So um, what I go right into once we get to that phase uh, of the intervention is really helping the family um, create an environment for their loved one that is um, uh, strong and directive and uh, firm, but loving and understanding. So, um, you know, rather than saying to the 
loved one in crisis, I'm afraid you're going to die. Um, I help to redirect the family to focus more on and, and helping that their loved one understand that based upon your symptoms, based upon the fact that you're doing this, 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 and this specific, I'm very concerned that I'm going to lose you. Um, that something bad is going to happen to you. And let me help you understand what's going to happen to me, how you, if that should happen, how your world is affecting my world. And if I should, if the world should lose you, how that's going to impact me and the rest of the family. Um, at that point, we still have a general consensus and most people are, are, are unified um, in the fact that if, if, if the person stays on the trajectory that they're on in that spiral, that um, everyone's going to be negatively impacted. There will be a death. There will be a loss. There will be incarceration. There will be hospitalization. There will be institutionalization. Um, there will be financial crisis. There will be emotional distress. So that's part one and part two. And then the third part. And this is the part of the intervention where it goes back to the, to the topic, the number one, the topic that I wanted to start off with. Um, and that's really getting everybody unified for the entirety of the intervention process. Getting everyone to agree on the fact that we're going to get, we need to get Billy or Mary or Steve in treatment done. The very low difficulty. Um, getting everybody to agree that uh, we all need to work together uh, as best we can to create a, an environment, a home environment conducive to supporting the recovery process. Really important. Whenever, and agreed to by consensus. And the third part of the intervention is, is really helping, is, is establishing firm, healthy boundaries to help support an individual in crisis um, so that they can make a healthy decision in accepting help um, and then, um, with those healthy boundaries, then being prepared to implement those boundaries in a very methodical, strategically loving, um, manner, um, to help support the loved one or the, the one in crisis to make that healthy decision, um, as opposed to having to go down this, uh, almost bottomless pit of despair and, and self-destruction. Um, and essentially, I work to help raise uh, an individual's bottom, um, creating a, a very carefully um, uh, designed, loving, structured, healthy bottom that can be uh, managed uh, with, a lot, with love and support and direction and guidance. And that's when we start to, and at that point, in many cases, um, oftentimes is the case where we start to diverge. There's a division um, within the intervention team as to, um, you know, what those boundaries are, what people are comfortable doing, how far people are willing to take it. Um, you know, and that comes, that has to do with finances, personal freedom. It has to do with involuntary hospitalizations. It has to do with child custody, um, real deal, uh, uh, issues and, and boundaries and things that are tangible that people will feel 
and will impact their lives and affect them and touch them. Um, I never tell a family, don't talk to your loved one. I never do that. But I do let people know that in the event that a loved one is not willing to accept help, um, that as far as any further communication with that individual goes, it would only pertain to accepting help. That's it. No other conversation uh, other than, will you please accept my gift of love now? So the reason I bring this up is because it's it's definitely been, it is definitely a challenge for families, you know, that are, um, uh, that have not yet established solid, firm boundaries. Um, you know, when you have a loved one that's 30 years old in crisis, and now we're going to put some boundaries in place when they, their whole life, essentially, there were no, there were no boundaries um, that anyone had to stick to. And now it's kind of like um, almost another, a new language for, um, for a lot of families. So um, what I do is I work to get the entire family to recognize that we've agreed on the first, we've re- agreed that we need to get this person in treatment. We've, second, we've agreed that we need to work together to create a very supportive, uh, recovery-oriented environment to support the individual when they can come home and also to strengthen the the, 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 the intervention team, the family dynamic, the family fabri- fabric to support each other throughout the recovery process for the individual. Uh, and interesting enough, oftentimes is the case that um, as the family does that, a lot of times there's a lot of you know introspection where people start to look at their own stuff and work on their own stuff, which is an amazing byproduct of uh, the intervention process when we're trying to, you know, we've got the identified patient and then we start to look at, uh, you know, we start to look at ourselves. And that is a kind of a natural transition of what happens within the intervention process. So getting back to um, establishing firm, healthy boundaries, um, implementing those boundaries, following through with really whatever it takes to help support and ethically, um, strategically, to help somebody accept some help. Um, that oftentimes is where there's a divergence on the unity, um, the unified message of the family. At that point, uh, for me as a professional interventionist, I have to um, really uh, help to highlight some of the challenging times, some of the, the near-death experiences, some of those moments where um, you know, the family truly felt as though they lost that individual. And what I do is not to be a fear monger, not to scare people to, you know, to, to be in compliance, um, not peer pressure, but really help the collective conscience of the intervention team come together and unify around the idea that at the end of the day, since the problem, the underlying problem is so severe, so pathological, so uh, toxic that the only way to, to truly uh, meet that pathology where it's at is with the most firm, structured, loving, solid, tangible bottom possible. And for a lot of people, that, that's heavy, and understandably so. Um, but at the end of the day, at the same time, 
Um, if I take a family into an intervention and we don't have a sh strong, solid, healthy bottom, um, it's almost like I take a family into uh, you know a, a major battle where there are like uh, serious, uh, there's like major weapons, and I bring them in with a, with a slingshot, you know, and that's very similar for the intervention. I have to get the family prepared. I have to help them put on the table everything possible that they can do to really help that individual experience um, that bottom as best as possible. So with all that said, um, like I said, I, 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 took, I just wanted to take a little bit of time to kind of help anyone out there that's planning an intervention, just explore the structure and some of the, their strategic loving um, components of how to, you know, identify the wonderful special qualities of the of an individual, collectively share concerns, you know, with a unified voice, and then um, when that individual declines to accept help and is combative, defiant, uh, resistant, to be able to put together a solid, structured, loving, firm. A set of healthy boundaries, implement those boundaries, um, be able to follow through with them um, with the same unity, with the same love, with the same conviction, dedication um, as the uh, sharing the, the good stuff, sharing the concerns uh, and really coming together with lots of love, lots of understanding and uh, just a solid plan of action. So with all that said, uh, once again, this is Evan Jarshauer uh, with Intervention Radio. And I am a um, professional interventionist. I am a uh, licensed psychotherapist. And I work all over the country uh, with uh, families in crisis, all the way from Calabasas to Colorado to the Big Apple, Miami, uh, Europe, uh, Central South America, uh, wherever somebody is uh, in crisis. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I'm brought in when the family has tried you know, the family's tried so hard, uh, whether it's with legal means or with trying to handle this themselves. And I come in and I, I really worked to bring the family together with a unified, solid plan of action. Lots of love, lots of understanding and a firm backbone. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my podcast and I look forward to um, speaking with you again, all of you uh, in the very uh, near future. And by the way, if you want and you... Uh, uh, you want to reach out, don't hesitate. You can, uh, you can just call me. Uh, my direct number is 305-467-8666, 305-467-8666. Um, you can email me at uh, 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 evan at careplanpro.com. Uh, and I'd love to, to speak with you and uh, see if I can help you out. And if I can't help you out, I'll uh, work to get you... Um, directed to somebody that can or an agency that can. And for now, uh, you guys have a great day, great night, great morning. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon. All right.